Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Today as we just uh, spend a few minutes talking about Easter and uh, talking about what the resurrection means. We've titled this kind of weekend and specifically this morning, Death is Dead. And Pastor Alex uh, began on Friday with a, a, just a great message on what it meant when Jesus said, it is finished. And we kind of looked at that word finished and he unpacked what Jesus meant to say, like it is finished meant the debt is paid in full. I've paid the ransom. I've paid your outstanding debt. It's completely taken care of. It is finished means what I did was perfect. Nobody could add to it. Nobody could make it better. What I did was perfect. And the third kind of connotation in the Greek language is that it was complete. The assignment that God has given me as Jesus was on the cross when he said it is finished, the assignment that God had given him was completed on the earth. He was basically saying, God, the season that you've asked me to steward and the season you've asked me to walk through, it's finished, it's done. I've completed everything you've asked me to do. I've done it with precision and excellence. There's nothing left outstanding. All the work has been accomplished. And as we talk about that phrase, it is finished, I, I wanna spend a bit of time this morning talking about the it part of the phrase. Like, what is it that was finished? What was it that Jesus declared is finished? And I want to present to you today a a thought, an idea that the it that Jesus was talking about was death. The it that he said is finished is death. It's the, the stranglehold of the influence of sin and the effects of sin on the earth over centuries and centuries and centuries. Oftentimes, we read in the Bible that when it talks about what Jesus did on the cross, it compares it to like a bridegroom paying a dowry for a bride. And that bride is you and I. When God looks at us, he sees someone that he is passionate about and affectionate for. He actually calls us his bride. And he says, I paid a price for my bride. It says in Revelation, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of God and of the Lamb. Like this privilege that we have that's a gift of God to actually be with him in heaven is incredible. Last week, um, I was reading in my morning devotions a story from uh, the Old Testament in the book of Samuel. And, and there was this king in Israel, his name was Saul. And uh, he was, he started out great, actually. Things started out really great for him, but things went downhill pretty quick. And he became uh, an evil king in the sight of God. And um, while he was going down, God kind of raised up another king, and his name was David. He was a young shepherd boy. And there was this season that Saul and David were in where they were in this in-between season. 
God had anointed David to lead, but he had no throne because Saul was still sitting on it. And so they were in this in-between season. Some of you might know the story of David and Goliath. David, as this young shepherd boy, kills this giant. Goliath becomes a mighty man of war and victory. Um, it says that the whole nation of Israel rallied around David after that. They all looked to him as their leader, even though they had a king named Saul. And Saul became jealous and angry. As a reward for David killing Goliath, he was to be given one of Saul's daughters in marriage. And uh, Saul tricked him and gave away his first daughter. And for the second daughter, Saul wanted to basically get rid of David. Like he was the worst possible father-in-law on the face of the earth. If you've ever showed up um, you know, at the door of your house with a gun when your daughter's boyfriend comes over just to intimidate him, this is basically what Saul was doing. And uh, so he intimidates David and he says, look, the price to marry my daughter is to go get me 100 foreskins of the Philistine army. This army we're at war with, here's your price. Go get 100 foreskins. You never thought you'd hear that on Easter Sunday, did you? Um, <laughs> neither did I. My wife is staring me down here right now. She knows where this is going. This is going to be good. Trust me. Um, and uh, so, so there's this story, and, and Saul's trying to kill David off. He's sending him out into danger, and David gets excited, and he comes back, and he brings 200 to them. So I'm telling my boys this. We're sitting in our living room, and I'm telling Eli and Simon the story. Eli's nine. Simon is six. They hear the story, and they're kind of looking like confused, like, what in the world is going on? And then Eli just says, Dad, what's a foreskin? <laughs> and Rochelle and I look at each other and like, oh my goodness. I did not anticipate that question and where this was about to go. And so we actually um, tried to just figure out how to make it through that short conversation. And so we talked about simple things like circumcision, things like that. The look on their faces when we told them what that was, was just horror. It was sheer terror and dread as they learned about this. After a few minutes, my six-year-old son, Simon, he said, Dad, I don't want to hear about circumstances anymore. That was our cue and our segue to head into a different kind of conversation. <laughs> and I tell that story, one, because it's funny. In our house, funny things happen like that. But that was just last week. But um, I tell it because this image of David going out and doing something that was almost unthinkable to earn the price to marry his bride Jesus actually did something one million times more unthinkable. It was so unthinkable that God himself would say, I'm going to send someone and it's going to be me to pay for the price of man's sin. I'm not going to ask you to pay it. I'm not going to ask you to pay it. I'm going to pay the price myself. It was so unthinkable that God himself in Jesus Christ would lay his life down 
And when he said, it is finished, the it that he was laying down his life for was the power of sin and death. I just want to cover a couple of things with you this morning. We've been kind of talking about seasons in our church and and how we walk through seasons and how we steward seasons in our life. And I was thinking about this on a macro level. Over all of history and time, there's been a few major seasons that we can track with. And I want to show you sort of this image to kind of um, just put it into uh, some words and some detail for you. But these major macro seasons that we've had, season one was a season of creation. That's how the Bible starts. And it says that God created the earth and everything in it, that everything was good. He created man and he created us to live in relationship with him. He created us not just to live in relationship with him, but to live in relationship with him and steward the earth. He actually created us to co-partner with him in bringing his presence and his glory, not just to a small little garden somewhere in the Middle East, but over the whole earth. And then in the beginning of Genesis, things start to go sideways really quickly when the devil comes in and he tempts man. And he says, you can be just like God. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great to know the things that God knows? You can do that. And he tricks Adam and Eve. They take the bait, and there's this moment where innocence is lost and sin comes into the world. There's this moment where the impact and the influence and the destructiveness of everything that the devil desires for our life began to spin its wheels and tighten its grip. And for thousands of years, our earth was under and humanity was under the death grip of the enemy. Completely helpless, completely at a loss to to know how to walk in victory. And our earth experienced things like death and sorrow and suffering and bondage and slavery, hopelessness and fear and anxiety, unfruitfulness. All of these things were a result of that moment when sin came into the earth. And the Bible says at just the right time, whatever that was for God, at just the right time, he sent Jesus to the earth with a specific mission. And that was to restore everything that had been lost right here. Jesus' mission was to unravel and undo everything that the enemy had been doing for thousands of years on the earth. His mission was to bring alignment back to our lives with God. His mission was to create an opportunity for us to live in intimacy with God, in relationship with our creator, with God. His mission was to restore the spiritual authority of God on the earth, to push back and destroy the power of the devil on the earth. And his mission was to teach us to walk in obedience so that we could experience what fruitfulness was like. When Adam and Eve walked in obedience, they experienced tremendous fruitfulness. Their purpose was being fulfilled. Their life had meaning and joy. They didn't lack a thing. 
And Jesus comes on the scene at God's appointed time. And he has a mission and an assignment. And that's to destroy death and to bring us back to that original design of God. This is where we find ourselves today. We find ourselves in this place that's called the in-between. But I want to read to you this from Romans 6 in the New Testament. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. In case you're wondering, I'm flipping single page by single page. All right, here we go. Romans 6, verse 9. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So Jesus came to break the power of sin and death so that we could experience life, so that we could come alive again. The bondage and the the heaviness that was oppressing the earth, he came to, to smash and destroy that so that we could have life. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this. Paul said, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. I want to talk to you really quickly about three kinds of death that the Bible talks about. They're found all through scripture. The first one is spiritual The first death that Jesus came to destroy was spiritual death. He came to make a right relationship again between us and God so that everything that God had could flow from him into us. Jesus said that he became the curse of God so that we could experience the life and freedom of God. He came so that our spiritual lives would be set on fire and alive again. The first kind of death that Jesus conquered was spiritual death. What was broken in the garden, he now restored and made new. In verse 4 of chapter 15, it says, He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. The second kind of death that Jesus came to destroy was physical death. He actually came to put an end to the physical limitations of death over us. Not that we all live now for eternity in this present situation we have on earth, but that actually this is not the end of the story for us. He came to destroy that limitation that said when you breathe your last on this earth, that's it, that's over finished, done with. He said, no, 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 no. When you breathe your last on this earth, you actually step into my life and into eternity with me. The limitations that we find here that we walk in, in the physical, have been removed because Jesus conquered death. 
He was a physical man, a real man who rose from the dead. And in rising from the dead, he destroyed the power of death over us. As a result of that, not only is death destroyed over us, but Jesus came to actually restore our bodies to bring healing to our bodies. Because he conquered death, everything on the other side of death is fair game for Jesus to bring life to and restoration to. He's done the most difficult part. And so he actually wants us to experience life and healing and freedom in our bodies physically. And if we don't experience it 100% on this earth, we will experience it. If we live walking with a limp on this earth, we can walk with a limp in joy and in power because we know that one day that limp is going to be gone. We know that we're not limited and bound by the things that afflict us and harm us today. That's the physical death that Jesus came to destroy. In Acts 2, it says this, Acts 2.24 says this, But God released him, that's Jesus, from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. We sang about that all morning this morning. Death could not keep him in its grip. Some of you may be saying, that's great. I'll, I'll, you know, hopefully benefit from that one day. But that doesn't change my life today. That doesn't make things any easier today. I'm still struggling. I'm still overwhelmed. I'm still fighting for and gasping for breath here. I think one of our problems today is we've lost picture. We've lost picture of the greater picture. Paul said about Jesus that Jesus endured the suffering of the cross because it was for the joy that was set before him. Jesus had in his mind, he had in his mind as he was walking through struggle and trial on this earth, he had a greater joy in his mind and we've lost that, we've forgotten about that, we hardly talk about it. So I want to read to you right now what Jesus was talking about. What was that greater joy that allowed him to walk in victory? And it's found, among other places, in the last book of the Bible. The book of Revelation, chapter 21. This is what Jesus, this is what sustained him and gave him strength. This is what allowed him to walk in victory and in life. It says this, This is John having this vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. 
Revelation 22, one chapter over, says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night. There will be no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God, who inspires his prophets, sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. And Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. That's a picture of everything that Jesus was longing for and hoping for. That's a a picture of the goal of the assignment. The purpose of Jesus' life was to make that available to you and I, not just to himself, not just for God to kind of roam around in his kingdom on his own, but everything that Jesus did and worked for was to actually make that possible. And so what Jesus did when he died on the cross, when he said, it is finished, he said, it is finished on this earth, but now is the beginning of a new time, a new season, a new epoch for humanity. Now something new has begun. He said, for a little while, for a little while, you're going to have to live in the tension of a broken world, a world that's suffering, a world that's not just. For a little while, you're going to have to live with pain and sorrow and suffering But take heart, I've overcome the world. And because I overcame, there is something so great for your future that nothing on this earth could compare with it. No sorrow, no sorrow on this earth could remove the joy or temper it that you'll experience. There's no brokenness or suffering. The third death that Jesus came to destroy was an emotional death, our soul, the crushing weight on our soul of life and defeat. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Those are the three components of our soul. Jesus said, I came to bring life. I defeated the power of death over your emotional life. Over your mind, the thoughts of your mind that came to bring victory so that your soul isn't downcast anymore, so that there's hope and life and joy. What I did on the cross wasn't just for your physical life and it wasn't just for your spiritual life. I came so that you could walk in joy and in victory in this world. Last week, I was taking down my Christmas lights. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. I was taking them down. I didn't think anybody was watching me, but my neighbor was. <laughs> His name is Mark. He's great. So I'm literally on like the last 
section of lights. And so now my sort of attention to detail has kind of gone out the window. And I'm on a ladder uh, reaching up, so I didn't even want to climb as high on the ladder as I actually needed to. So I'm lower than I should be, plus there's a fence in front of me that divides uh, me from the rest of the lights. And so genius, right? I think I don't need to actually like get down, pull the ladder out of the mud, open the fence, go on the other side of the fence. I can yank them from here, right? So I start pulling the lights and as I'm like in the shame of like trying to get that last like two feet of lights off, I'm yanking them and those like cheap piece of crap plastic clips, they're ripping off and they're like, it's like carnage all over. And I hear from behind me, I hear from behind me this, this voice, and he says, Andrew, it's a little early to put your lights up for Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> and I look back, and it's Mark, and I'm like, oh, darn it. I said, yeah, it is. But I'm very efficient as I'm literally yanking it down. And Mark has got, like, he takes immaculate care of his vehicles and their house. Everything is perfect. And I'm just obliterating those, you know, Christmas lights off of my thing. And so I waited till he was inside. Then I ripped the last bit off of there. But I was just thinking to myself as I was kind of chuckling, I just was standing on the ladder and we have a forest behind us. And I was looking at the forest and I thought, you know what? Just based on what I see, you could kind of mistake this as fall. You could look at the trees and there's no life on the trees. And, you know, we, we had, um, I don't know if it was this way for you guys, but it seemed like late in the fall we had a couple big windstorms. And so after we had done our raking, then all the leaves came down and I was too lazy to rake them again. So our lawn has had, had leaves all over it. There's no buds on the trees. And just by surface kind of evaluation, it would be easy to go, ah, this is fall. Christmas is coming. Good job, Andrew, right? Something like that. And I just felt like, like God was actually speaking to me in that moment. And he said, this is the season you're living in. This is the season we're in on the earth. You might think that things are leading to winter, that death is on the horizon, that, that all life is gone. You may think that, that you need to batten down the hatches and prepare for a storm. You might think that everything is going in the wrong direction but it's not. Don't be deceived by what you see around you. The spring is coming. Jesus said, I am making all things new. I have a hope and a future for you. You might think that as you look around that life is dwindling down, that you've missed your window of opportunity, that things are actually working against you. But God says, no, even when it looks like that on the outside, I have a greater move that I want to make in your life. I have hope for you. I have life for you. And he says, no, it's not winter, Andrew. It's spring and it's coming. You can't see it yet, but it's coming. I'm working inside the trees. I'm doing the things that I need to do to prepare the ground and to pre prepare the trees and and all of that stuff. And I think that that's the season we're living in right now. Where if you just take a quick cursory look around, if you just hop onto social media for five minutes, it seems like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Like there's no hope. There's no hope. But Jesus says, don't be deceived. 
I endured what I endured because I had my eyes on a greater joy and a greater hope. And because I went there first, that hope is there for you. So what does God say about this season? I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about, um, I'll just read it because he says it better than I do. He was buried when he was raised. He's talking about Jesus from the dead on the third day. This is verse four. Verse five, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. So it didn't just happen in isolation. So many people saw him. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And then here's Paul, one of the greatest men of our faith in the history of humanity, he says this, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I'm the least of all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, as though I had missed my window, as though the opportunity was gone, as though all hope was lost, as though I was about to become subject to everything I had done that was evil in my life. Paul had spent his life violently persecuting the church. He was a terrorist of his day. Literally, he was. And Paul says, it's like I was born in the wrong season because I'm experiencing grace from God. I'm experiencing life from him. I'm not experiencing the result of all of my sin and all of my failure and all of those things. It's like I was born in the wrong season. It's like I had the benefit of actually walking with the disciples and with Jesus. He's saying, look, don't get distracted by what it looks like because there's a new season coming. And by God's grace, by his goodness, we get to live. We get to live in a season that we don't deserve and can't earn. And this is what Paul is saying. It's amazing to me that I did nothing but reject God and persecute those who loved him. But it's like the grace and the love of God are poured out on me. And so you might be wondering, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. You might be wondering, what characterizes this season that we're in? So big deal. All of this is a big deal. What does that mean for my life today? I want to read to you exactly what this season that we're in is characterized by. And it was actually Peter. Peter who actually identified for us the season that we're all living in, that we all have an opportunity to live in. Acts 2, 17, this is Peter saying this, and he's quoting from an Old Testament prophet who wrote this hundreds of years earlier. Acts 2, 17, in the last days, all right, so Peter's saying that's now, that's you and I, that's us. We're living in these days, we're living in this moment in time before everything is brought back to its original design by God. We're living in this in-between, already but not yet moment. And Peter is saying, in these last days, these last days before God actually makes all things new, 
I will pour out my spirit upon all people. There's no one that is exempt. There's no one that's unqualified. There's no one who isn't worthy of the gift of God, of his spirit in their life. I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe what Peter is saying is, in this day, in these last days, God is renewing. He's renewing his original heart and call for us. Jesus has made a way for us to experience the life that he invites us into. And he's saying in these last days, I'm going to pour out myself on you. I'm going to fill you. I'm going to fill you with purpose. And I'm going to fill you with glory. I'm going to fill you with power to walk above the storms of life. The Bible says that when the enemy comes like a flood, God raises a rampart against him. That the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And he's saying in these last days, I'm going to empower you to live the kind of life that you could only dream about, the kind of life that you've read about. People in the past, I want to do that today. I want to bring you meaning and significance. I want to give you vision like you've never had vision. I want to use you on this earth to bring my kingdom down, my kingdom of peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. I want to use you to set those who are in slavery free and in bondage free. I want to use you to pray for people and see them healed. I want to use you to express everything that's in my heart. We didn't miss the window, guys. And just like Paul, we could say it's like we were born in a different time. It's like we were born in that garden where God walked closely with us. It's like we were born for a relationship and meaning and significance. It's like he made us for a purpose and a reason. It's like everything that he has, he wants to give to us because he knows that we need it. He knows we're frail and we're tired and we're weak. He knows what keeps you up at night. He knows what oppresses you and he knows what you're struggling with. And he's saying it's like you were born in a different season because I want to give to you everything that's in me to give. And some of you here today, that spiritual death that Jesus overcame, you need it. You've been rejecting God. You've been pushing him aside. You've been saying, no, I'll wait and I'll do it later. I'll deal with things later. And he's offering you today life spiritually. And when he brings his life spiritually to us, he says, not only do I want to give you spiritual life, but I want to actually give you eternal life. Did you know that 
for eternity. We're not going to be up in some cloud like a, a bodiless spirit that actually God says he's going to recreate the heavens and the earth and we'll be here, actually. Heaven is here, just in case you're wondering. It's not out somewhere. It's here. God wants to restore what he started in the garden. He wants to walk with you and give you life, not just spiritually, but physically. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore your body and bring you hope. And he wants to restore your soul. He wants to bring gladness and hope back to you. He wants to bring freedom and life back to you. When Jesus said, it is finished, that's the it that he was talking about. Not just one thing, but everything. Do you know there's a way that you can walk through this world and no matter how, how crazy things get, there's a way that you can walk behind Jesus and walk in peace. When the storm is raging, you can walk in peace and hope. Why don't you stand with me as we close this morning? Jesus said that no one forced him to lay down his life. He did it because he wanted to. Because we while we were still rejecting God. He did it because while we were rejecting God and pushing him away, God's love was ferociously running toward us. It doesn't matter what you're walking in here this morning with. It doesn't matter what you did last night or last week, last year. There's nothing in your life that disqualifies you from receiving the gift of salvation from Jesus. There's nothing that you could ever do or say or think or believe that would ever disqualify you from receiving his life. He defeated death spiritually and he defeated it physically and he defeated it over your emotions and your mind and your soul. And I don't know what your story is today But he does. It's, I think why you're here, because he loves you. And if you're here today, I feel like he's just said the first group of people that I want to just talk to are those who are here today who aren't sure where they're at spiritually with me. And if you're here today, if there's anyone here today, and you're not sure what eternity looks like for you. You're not sure about this Jesus, but you are just sensing in your heart that he's just speaking to you. It's not me. It's him. If you want to live that kind of life that Jesus talked about, and you've not given your life to him, there's no magic formula or code there's no special prayer that you pray. There's no magic key you unlock. It's just literally saying, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you. 
and I want you to be Lord of my life. I ask that you would forgive me for my sin, for the ways that I've rejected you and pushed you aside. I want to accept and receive your forgiveness. Is there anyone here this morning that actually would like to pray that prayer with me or with us? If you are here this morning, I'm just gonna invite everybody to just bow their heads in this moment. If you are here this morning and you just, you want that relationship with Jesus, I just wanna invite you to raise your hand and I just wanna pray with you. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no hidden tricks. God's grace is available. Jesus, I just pray for those whose hands are raised. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would bring life to them. Father, I pray for a new start and a new day for new strength, new hope. Jesus, we believe in your word that says if we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and believe in our heart, we will be saved. And so we do that today, Jesus. We just confess our need for you. Amen. The second group that I believe God wants to talk to are those who would like to just have prayer for healing in their body or and the third group are the ones who are just feeling overwhelmed with life. Your soul is crushed. If you are in any of those two groups, um, I just want to invite you to just slip up your hand and we're just going to pray together. If you would like to pray together with me, then we'll pray together. Yeah. Again, Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest. Let's pray, Jesus. We just, we believe that you have the power to heal and restore. Father, I just pray for everyone here, even if their hand isn't raised, I pray for everyone here who needs you to touch their body physically. Everyone who's suffering with cancer or everyone who's suffering with heart condition or if things are going on, you know, in their brain or, Father, in Jesus' name, anything at all, I just ask, Holy Spirit, by your power and authority that you would move over our bodies here, that you would move over their body. I just ask, Father, in Jesus' name, that every cell and fiber and tissue would come under your alignment and your authority, that it would be made right according to your design for it, your original design. We just renounce the influence and effects of the enemy of God over our lives physically. Father, we also just take authority over our mind and our will and our emotion in Jesus' name. Father, we just take authority over depression and anxiety and fear. We just take authority over those things in the name of Jesus. We take authority over anger and we take authority over lust and we take authority, God, over 
um, anything that we've believed in or relied on that is opposed to you and your truth. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, according to your goodness and according to your mercy, that you would come in and that you would bring life and that you would bring renewal and you would bring hope. Father, I pray that we would walk out of here with your joy and that joy would be our strength this week. God, that we would walk in victory with you. God, that you would just um, by your grace and your mercy and your goodness, God, th those who are here who feel like they're under a heavy weight, God, that you, God, would, would lift that burden off of them in the name of Jesus. We just ask, Jesus, that the full effect of what you did on the cross would be experienced and lived by us today. Father, we ask that your kingdom would come this morning. We ask that your will would be done in our life this morning. We're asking God for the kingdom of heaven to come in our families and on our streets and in our schools, in our government and in our city. We're asking, Father, for the kingdom of God to manifest itself in bringing hope and peace and life and joy. Father, I pray that our streets, God, in our city, in our neighborhoods, our schoolyards would be filled with your kingdom, God, that you would teach us, God, that we can walk in your kingdom authority and in your power that you can show us, Jesus, how to walk in victory and in life, that you can bring a new day and a new season into our life. Jesus, just like you said to the disciples that we could walk in victory over sickness and in sin and suffering, in Jesus' name, Father, over the things that are opposing us, the people, God, in our life that are bringing conflict and hurt and pain. Father, I pray that we would experience a new freedom of forgiveness, a new freedom, God, in your spirit. We don't want just normal, go to church on Sunday, Christianity that makes no difference in our life. We want to walk in your kingdom. May it come around us and through us. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.